0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the series Food for Thought, featuring stories from big thinkers who spend their lives envisioning a flourishing food system in their local communities and for our entire human family. We'll be speaking about the importance of finding credible agri-food information with Aaron McGregor, Registered Dietitian and Communications Consultant. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much, Peggy. I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Erin, you're a registered dietitian and you have been for a while now. Very well done. What general observations have you made about
1: misinformation in
0: foods and nutrition particularly?
1: Uh, Well, I would say that first and foremost, it is rampant. Um, I will say that and part of the reason is that misinformation content has really become a lot easier to create and it's become a lot easier to share. So Mm -hmm. as you've said, I've been a dietitian for a little while now and back at the beginning of my career, you know, 15 years ago, there were social media platforms in place. So at the time, you know, Facebook was popular, YouTube was popular People were getting their information online from blogs and websites. But, you know, in the last 10 years or so, that media information, that media landscape has really changed drastically. And we've seen kind of misinformation explode through this more, I would say, short form content that we're seeing through apps like Instagram and TikTok these days. So you've got things like images and infographics and short videos They're all really high quality content, and this high quality content can really be created by anyone these days.
0: Okay. So beautiful photography, great lighting, things that are appealing to look at and therefore appear credible when it is really just great visually, but maybe not in terms of substance, as far as what message is uh, being shared. And then in agri-food, I asked you specifically about nutrition. Are you seeing any trends in agri-food in terms of misinformation? Are there
1: similar patterns in that part of um, food nutrition? I would say there are certainly similar patterns. Um, I am really interested in both spaces, in nutrition, agri-food, biotechnology, and misinformation. And all three of those spaces are often intertwined too. So, you know, as dietitians, we are kind of the consumer facing food experts, and we get a lot of questions about food, nutrition and agriculture. And unfortunately, most RDs don't get a lot of meaningful training in food systems and agriculture. So Mm -hmm. we're left to kind of evaluate this content that has nutrition information, that has food information, that has agriculture information. And you know, it's difficult for us to even weed through all of this misinformation, even though we're supposed to be the credible nutrition experts.
0: Right. And and that you make a really good point because coming to see a dietitian, you're you're taking a look at carbohydrate, fat, protein, you know, vitamins, minerals, all those sorts of things. But people have become very interested in methods of production. Yes. If something was made this way, is it better for me? Not Correct. necessarily more nutritious, but is there something in it I shouldn't have? Or is there some sort of other value to it for me? And so you're right, talking about food systems literacy being not only integrated into professional dietitians' education and programming undergraduate and practice levels. But right now, part of the Canadian school food policy is a school food program. And part of that uh, is contemplated for food literacy in schools and food systems literacy is part of that. I'm a big proponent of that. We need to know where food comes from. We need to know who makes it so that we can really value it. Yeah, really people are working hard across the system every single day, you know, making decisions. And, um, it's part of the reason why we do the show to have confidence in the agri-food system. So that's really helpful that you've intertwined those things together, nutrition, agri-food and, and technology. You had also mentioned, well, information can be really misleading either in nutrition or agriculture. You've decided to do something about it. You're a communications consultant. You have a great business. What was the tipping point, Erin? Why did you decide, okay, I'm going to do something, I've got to go
1: and offer services to the world? Honestly, I've worn a lot of hats as a dietician. So I work as a clinician in a hospital. Um, I have for many years and I still do. I've worked in the community as a counselor. I've worked myself as a content creator and a social media kind of personality Um, And I've worked in education for a variety of groups of students and adult learners, and at the end of the day, I have made a lot of mistakes throughout my career in communicating effectively about nutrition, about food, about agriculture. Um, And really, as I've learned from those mistakes, what I've realized is that effective communication, especially when it comes to a topic that's really universal, like food, can be really challenging. So, you know, food choices are driven by a lot more than something like taste or nutrition. They are driven by, you know, economics, uh, by geography, by someone's culture or religion, by someone's ethics or even politics, And so it's not very simple and everyone has their own reality when it comes to food. Um, So I really started to learn that engaging in communication about nutrition is really about strategy. It's much, much less about the content of the message or the information that you're trying to share, which is important and of course should be evidence informed, especially as a health professional. But it's really about how you are communicating that message. So my goal was is really, like with my business, my communications business, is to help others, to help dietitians, to help other nutrition professionals, to help industry and students not have to learn from the same mistakes, um, but to hone their voices and to really hone their style and their messaging about food and nutrition so that it can be more effective.
0: That's really generous, Erin. Thank you for being candid about that. How generous of you to actually say, I made a lot of mistakes. I, I know a lot. And I had a really great purpose, but I made a lot of mistakes and I can help. And uh, especially when the need is so high, we've already established that there's a lot of misinformation out there. Wonderful, you're helping dietitians and people get the messages out there and reach people so that they can feel am really certain about the choices they're making with the types of foods that they're eating and uh, what to eat and how to prepare it and where it comes from and all of that stuff, because there is a lot of misinformation. And I, I think in my assessment, and this is just my opinion, it's creating a lot of anxiety because people don't really know what to eat anymore. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. is that bad or is this bad? And so there's this other layer coming to the misinformation, which is beyond the biostatistical normal functioning for the species. And are we eating what we should eat? But this other level of nervousness about food, because we're just not sure what to eat anymore. And so I think that's problematic as well. So wonderful that you're helping people. So what kind of education and support do you offer through your communications business to help people get the word out um, with reliable, credible nutrition and agri-food information?
1: yeah uh, well i do things in a variety of ways so um i do work with industry groups uh, agri industry groups to ensure like their food and nutrition messaging is accurate and effective for the type of audience they're trying to reach mm-hmm. um, but i really also love working with fellow nutrition professionals as well as the public learning more about food systems and agriculture so as i said dietitians are you know this kind of consumer facing group um, that doesn't have a lot of meaningful training in food systems and agriculture and I have spent the last 10 years or so working extensively with the agri-food industry and learning to kind of fill that knowledge gap for dietitians. So it gives me a lot of joy to bring this kind of information to nutrition professionals. And so I'll write, um, I'll create presentations, I provide webinars uh, related to food marketing, to effective communication skills, to combating misinformation, and I'll provide this type of education to a variety of groups using those tools.
0: Well, that's really, really valuable. You, you know, you've got this message. You, you want to help. You've got a viewpoint, but there is a real strategy and technical, um, competence to being really good at having messages, not just created, but received. Right. So that's, that's incredible that you're able to offer that, not just to RDs, but also people in agri-food. And, and you have a great website that talks more about what you do and how to help. Uh, get that credible agri-food information out there. Great that you're doing what you're doing. And we're going to talk more after the break. We'll hear more from Aaron McGregor, registered dietitian and communications consultant about where to find credible agri-food information. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Casts, and where you get your podcasts. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Erin McGregor, agri-food communication consultant about where to find credible information. Erin, before the break, we talked about the challenges that arise from confusing, conflicting, unevaluated, and sometimes harmful misinformation in agri-food. How do we find reliable, validated information?
1: That is such a tricky question. (laughs) So I would say that there are a lot of really good, reliable resources for agri-food information. So you've got education institutions, you've got government websites like Health Canada, the CFIA, um, you've got lots of registered health professionals who create really great evidence-based content through their social networks, through websites. And then, you know, you have the Canadian agri-food world, you have the industry coming together to fund really great groups like Farm and Food Care, like Canadian Food Focus, um, like the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity. These all source experts in the field that create really accurate and consumer facing content. However, that being said, I don't think consumers are necessarily out there trying to source accurate information. I think what's happening is misinformation is bombarding them where they sit on their screens without having to do anything. So I think the more important question is, you know, how do we help consumers identify this misinformation and stop the spread? That's very
0: helpful that it's passively coming up in some kind of a, uh, just a pop-up or a messaging. So that leads me into my next question, which is, well, what are some tips that you have, to evaluate whether
1: or not information is reliable? I think I kind of gave a little bit of a nugget about this earlier, but it's really less about understanding a topic. I think it's less about having in-depth expertise about, you know, nutrition or agriculture, um, whatever it may be. It's really more about understanding, you know, misinformation, red flags. What are the tactics misinformers are using to spread bad information? Mm -hmm. So in other words, you know, it's more about having good media literacy skills And it's this avalanche of information that we come across every day, particularly online, where some of it may be accurate, some of it may be inaccurate, makes it really difficult for people to find the content that is accurate and relevant for them.
0: Right. So what are some of the um, sort of red flags almost, you didn't use that word, but things that you can look at and go, oh, mm, yeah, it's not maybe so credible.
1: Uh, There's a few bigger red flags. One of them I would say is looking out for claims that are made about food or agriculture that aren't actually backed up by sources that are credible. So when you think about science communicators or subject matter experts, um, they're going to provide evidence for the claims that are making. So if you have a journalist uh, or a writer or a creator on social media making a claim about nutrition or health, uh, they should also be able to support their claims with evidence too. And so, These days, most online platforms like make it very simple to share sourcing information. So looking for hot links within or at the end of articles, you know, you can look for information posted in the caption of a social media content that will link you directly to scientific papers or well-known trusted websites. Adequate evidence is especially important when content presents new evidence or makes a claim that goes against like current consensus. They would be, you know, refuting decades of scientific consensus. Um, and it's really, really rare that one study would reverse a long-held scientific consensus. Mm-hmm. So this type of claim would have to provide lots of evidence from multiple high-quality sources. So it's important to look for sources and demand evidence from claims that are being made about food or nutrition, particularly when they go against consensus.
0: That's really interesting, um, that you make that point because it's not just a link to like a single study done somewhere. Right. It is, it is the sort of balance of evidence across several studies? And how does that fit with what we generally know in in agri-food or nutrition? So that's really helpful. Um, You can decide for yourself. And I think that that's really an important factor
1: that you are always in control of the decision to follow the knowledge or not. Yeah. It's important to keep in mind that just because something doesn't have sourcing information, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad information, but it's one kind of red flag that you can stick in there being skeptical about any content that appeals to your emotional side is another way to stick a red flag in a piece of content. If a post makes you feel angry or scared, we should be wary and sticking a red flag in there. We know that strong emotions can really impair our ability to think critically, right? And to process information. So if you react emotionally to something that you're seeing online, it's important to just pause for a second and reflect on that content itself and stick a little red flag in there as well. So that's another way to kind of evaluate misinformation content.
0: Okay. So really helpful to pause if there's something um, worrisome that seems to not be backed up by evidence or general consensus of many, many, many professionals who have ethical obligations to be evidence-based, to be fair, honest, all of those things. So really helpful um, ways to evaluate what's coming across the airwaves passively, but also if you are searching so that you can make decisions for yourself about uh, agri-food. Erin, this shows part of the Food for Thought series, and I'm wondering what macro level or systemic changes do you think would improve access to credible agri-food information?
1: Truthfully, I think it goes beyond access to great information, which we discussed is available out there if you're looking for it. There is lots of great nutrition and agri-food content available. But I really do think that we need to help Canadians acquire better critical thinking skills and better media literacy skills. Um, I think we also have to invest in young Canadians. Our future... TikTok creators, our future Instagram creators, our future content creators to become, you know, just better digital citizens to be responsible in that space. And that will be important in stopping the spread of misinformation as well. So I I think there's a lot of large
0: policy um, and systemic questions that I think we need to start to ask. And and I agree with you, the the standard and quality for the way of the future is uh, something we should all be thinking about. So we take a humanities approach to the show, which includes big ideas, used to be called philosophy, but we call it big ideas so that we don't get too esoteric. And uh, part of that is leading innovation. So the, what's going to take us into the future? And I'm wondering what advancements would help increase individuals access to credible information about food and agriculture?
1: Yeah, I think when we're talking about misinformation, uh, being able to identify misinformation is one thing, um, but being able to create really engaging content in the same space um, where we're seeing all of this compelling short-form misinformation content is also really important. So, you know, there's a lot of research rolling in about how to combat misinformation. And the research tells us that showing up where misinformation already is on these short-form content platforms like Instagram and TikTok for younger folks, um, and creating debunking content has really been shown to be an effective tool to combat misinformation. Um, while also being able to share that accurate, evidence-based, informed content at the same time. So having showing fighting fire with fire, showing up in that same space, um, and being able to create some compelling content there, and also debunk when there's an opportunity to.
0: Right, really good. Which brings me back to how important your consulting business is, and people that you work with, dietitians, and people in agri-food, to really get out the. Uh, proven, evidence-based, or experience-based. I had a farmer on the show recently, and he said, "You want to know? We want to teach. Ask a farmer. If you really want to know what's going on in agri-food, ask a farmer." So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, credible, reliable source. So excellent. This show's called Food for the Future. How can we all think big to create a brighter way forward together in agri-food?
1: Honestly, I, it's it's all about education. I really think that teaching kids, um, inoculating them against misinformation by ensuring good digital media literacy skills um, and digital citizenship is should be part of the education curriculum and that's how we move forward in this space that's truly my belief All right. So
0: everybody out there in public education listening in or uh, people getting ready to vote for the next wave of policymakers, keep this kind of uh, idea in mind for um, the ministers of education and people out there who can help us with this. It's a wonderful
1: suggestion. Do you have any other final thoughts you'd like to share with us, Erin? I think just when it comes to spreading misinformation, the number one thing that we can encourage people to do um, and this is supported by the current research, is really to ask people and to ask yourself to stop and reflect on the accuracy of what you're sharing before it's shared. That's the number one way we can stop the spread of misinformation currently, uh, is to really just stop and think to yourself, is this true? Before forwarding information, before forwarding content along. Um, and that's a really great and important first step in stopping the spread.
0: I agree. And it really is the source. The source isn't the post or the, you know, TikTok short or whatever. The source is the person that creates it and really asking people to reflect on what it is they send out before they do, because there could be um, uh, implications that they may not have considered when they're just busy creating content. So wonderful final thought. Thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing your expertise and your resources. I know we're all going to go to your website, AaronMcGregor, uh, com, And it was a pleasure to have you on the show. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Peggy. You're welcome. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about big ideas and finding credible agri-food information with Erin McGregor, registered dietitian and communications consultant. Each week to continue to envision our future in agri-food together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about. How could you apply Aaron's ideas to locate credible information? Something to do. Search Aaron McGregor to see how one registered dietitian helps individuals and agri-food organizations with credible communications. Next week on the show, we return to the series, Waste Not. We'll be discussing revitalizing communities by preparing urban gardens for winter. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum elite level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.